the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. Still a little headline news. And most radio shows start with news to start the hour. And they play the clip, and they don't really explain the clip. They just let you digest it and figure it out. And the problem with that is most news people aren't that smart, and they're just reading copy. So when they put together a news story, they're just kind of telling you the basics. So I give you a little bit of the behind the scenes. Today's top story, the government's reporting some job creation last month. They revised numbers. They're showing job growth in the previous two months. But a former labor secretary, unimpressed. The Labor Department says 162,000 jobs were created in March, a little less than expected. Labor chief in the last Bush administration, Elaine Chow, says at that rate... We're going to need about 51 months before we recover to where we were at the start of the recession. That takes us to June of 2014. And she's not optimistic such growth will continue, citing what she calls the president's job-killing policies. Yeah, and again, you know, (laughs) that's from Fox News and... Obviously, they're going to take the economic report and try to get a spin on it that's negative towards Democrats. And uh, I say that with love, Fox. Don't get mad at me for saying that. I say it with love. Uh, Clearly, you know, MSNBC would look at these numbers and say, "Woo! Jesus has walked into the room and the economy looks great and jobs are are flourishing. We're turning bread into jobs. Um, The truth is, it was an okay number. There was some, some silver lining, but there's still a lot of bad in it. There's still a lot of bad uh, we did create some jobs, and that's nice to see. The downside is, is a lot of people are unemployed. They've been unemployed for a long time, and the pace of job creation was was anemic. Now, again, where do you start? Do you start with roaring, or do you start with anemic? Mm, it was an okay jobs report. It was better than average. I'd say better than average, but a lot of people are hurting, and that doesn't make them feel that good. Let's do a little little uh, religion story. Good Friday in Jerusalem has brought talk of a Palestinian state. I want you to listen to the reporter. I think she cries during this report. Fox News Radio's Courtney Keeley reports from the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. People bearing crosses are marching along the Via Dolorosa. One Christian church from California is reenacting the crucifixion. It's packed with tourists, faithful, and cameramen. Was she crying? That's just an odd report, isn't it, that Fox would let that out on the wires? Um, I don't know. Good Friday. Um, It's a good religious holiday. Uh, Probably a lot of the Catholics and uh, some of the uh, more Christian folks in your family, in your office might be out today. Uh, Talk to people about religion. Get open-minded. Jewish people talk to Catholics. Catholic people talk to Protestants. Protestants talk to each other. Because I think what you're going to find is every story that they have about their God is pretty similar. It just has different geography tied towards it. We got more in common with each other than we than we we think. Elsewhere, Disney. Ladies and gentlemen, mothers and fathers, don't let your kids go to Disneyland. Um, bad things are happening. Authorities in Florida have identified the young boy killed by a bus at Walt Disney. There's killer buses at Disneyland. 
Fox News Radio's Evan Brown reports. Troll says the nine-year-old boy killed when hit by a Disney World bus is Chase Brubaker from St. Petersburg, Florida. He died instantly when the bus hit him while he was riding his bicycle near Disney's Fort Wilderness Campground Resort near the Magic Kingdom. Police are investigating, but so far no charges are filed against the bus driver, who Disney execs say has 30 years experience, though it's the second Disney bus accident in recent weeks. Visitors were hurt when a bus crashed on March 20. Third in Miami, Eben Brown, Fox News Radio. Can't you already see the tease on television tonight? Coming up tonight at eleven on NBC News. Can Disneyland kill your child? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I mean, kids die every day, and it's sad and it's tragic. Probably the most, the only thing that makes no sense in this world, that makes no sense in this world, is a parent having to, to bury a child. Everything else I can make sense of. That's something I can't make sense of. And this story is a good one because I'm strangely attracted to it. In a school in Arizona, they're hosting an Easter egg hunt for blind students. An Easter egg hunt for blind students. It sounds like a great show for Fox, right? Like they could stage it right on the, uh, uh, like a, the Grand Canyon. Fox News Radio's Todd Starnes reports. The Easter eggs were beeping at the schools for the deaf and blind in Tucson. We have eggs that beep. Hmm? They're old beepers that are put inside there. And the point is to spread them out for the kids to have a good time. Specially designed Easter eggs for students with disabilities. The kids use their canes to collect the Easter goodies. You know, I love to listen for sounds, so and I always have. So The school has organized the special holiday event for several years, and the students say it is one of their favorites. In New York, Todd Starnes, Fox News Radio. Now, honestly, if Fox Television did a show where they're going to do an Easter egg hunt, and they weren't going to tell the kids it's on the Grand Canyon. And you would watch it, right? You would be like, you wouldn't turn the channel. You'd at least see if one kid falls off. I know you would. I know you would. But that was kind of a nice little story, right? Like, you don't even stop and think. Like, we live a privileged life. And we live in a wonderful world. And we've got wonderful workers and smart people around us. And we don't even think sometimes that the, the deaf and the blind, that you know, they don't get to participate like we do in a lot of the wonderful goodies that we get to do. I mean, I've got a son that, you know, Easter is like, it's magic, but he could see like, hmm, I, I like that story for some reason. And probably my favorite story of the day, because again, it just shows you how low America's con. And if you, a lot of you people think I'm mean, I'm sarcastic. A Louisiana high school teacher in very hot water. Louisiana, high school teacher, hot water. What did he do? He made a sex video of his students. He didn't have sex with his students. He made a sex video with his students. Fox News Radio's Evan Brown reports. 37-year-old Stephen McKay Hurst, who teaches at a Lafayette, Louisiana high school, is being kept behind bars now that he's charged with federal crimes for videotaping his students having sex in his apartment. He taught them at a local high school, but since his March 26th arrest, he's been on paid leave. Court documents allege he was filming the high schoolers for the purpose of producing child porn videos. Evan Brown, Fox News Radio. The first thing in my head... And there's nothing funny about child porn videos. There's nothing funny about it. But the first thought that jumps into my head is, why couldn't I have a cool teacher like that in high school? Why? Why did I have to have Bill Hicks? I had this guy from NASA, and he called us citizens. He'd go, okay, citizens, pull out your own work. Um, he was fantastic, and he, he actually played the harmonica for Bruce Springsteen. So I guess he was a pretty cool teacher. He played harmonica for one song. And he always told us that he played harmonica for Bruce Springsteen, but he played one song on one album. Why couldn't I have a teacher that was cool like that? 
my life was so lame. I never had anything exciting happen. Never had anything exciting happen. Like I do a show called Rob Black, the high school years. Eh, lame, lame. Nothing happened. Anyway, to get your calls on the show, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. At the end of next segment, I'm going to be giving away two tickets to a San Jose Sharks game against Phoenix coming up on the 10th. What's cool about these, these are $100 seats, and they're Dan Rusinowski's very own shark seats. So I'm going to talk to Dan for 10 minutes. Then we're going to give away the seats. Should be fun. 800-345-5639. Don't call yet. Wait till about 10, 15 minutes to Start calling in 800-345-5639. I'll announce the time. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. It's like blowing 10 grand in Vegas on the first day and then making it all back and more on the second. The Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Final four seconds of penalty time are ticking off on the clock. One more rush. Here's Getzlaff. Lead for Scott Niedermeyer. Breaks in. Penalty is over. A centering attempt just got blocked. And the Sharks have a two-on-one mini one. Here's Heatley out of the box. Has Thornton moving in. Gives him the play. Break away. Thornton shoots. Scores! Joe Thornton, his first of the year. Great setup from Danny Heatley. And the Sharks have a 3 nothing lead. And that's the voice of Dan Rusnowski as he calls the San Jose Sharks. One of the players that he mentions in that clip is a man named Joe Thornton, who I refer to as Jumbo Joel. He's probably the star, one of the star players on our team, if not the star player. He's an amazing player. He sees the whole ice. He passes pinpoint passes. Uh, he's kind of like a Gretzky in his passing. Maybe not a Gretzky in his skating, but a Gretzky in his passing. He got hurt this week. I got a little freaked out. So I reached out to Dan Rusnowski. I said, Dan... How how troublesome is this injury? Is it going to hurt us going to the playoffs? And Dan Risnowski said, "That's your cue." Yeah, you remember what I said, didn't you? Oh, I do. I'm just letting you talk to the audience now. I said it was day to day. It was probably going to be okay. That he was going to be skating soon. He was coming on the road trip, and he is on the road trip, and he skated in practice today. But he's not going to play yet. He's he's getting close, but not quite ready to go. But uh, I think one thing that's been interesting about this injury time for Joe, it's the first time he's never played for the Sharks because of injury. And so it's the first time he's actually had a chance to sit and watch the game live. And it's sort of, a, I suppose, the difference between watching uh, you know, footage of CNBC or something and seeing what's going on on the trading floor and actually being on the trading floor at the New York Stock Exchange and, and seeing what's going on. The difference between those two things is often remarkable, and I think uh, Joe Thornton is getting an eyeful about um, analyzing his team and about being prepared for the playoffs, so um, along with the rest that he's getting with the rehab, I think this might actually be a good thing. It might be a good thing, because the season's 82 games long, it's long, he plays a lot of minutes, he's going to be okay, he skated today, like you said, so it could be a good thing, but what would the chances of the Sharks be if they had to lose a key player? Like It, it does hurt your chances in the playoffs. Well, yeah, you have to look at it this way. Every team has flaws, and this team certainly is not perfect because it's a bunch of human beings. But the other side of it is they've got more depth than just about anybody. They're, they're in first place. They've won more games. So they've got to build on all those positives 
and get through the negative with that. And they've already shown that, you know, they had a four-game winning streak, and, you know, in the middle of that, Joe got hurt, and they still won a game or two without him. So I think uh, I think that they're proving a lot to themselves. But now they just got to go to the next step. They had a rough night in Dallas the other night. they got to get it back. And it's kind of funny, the last time we were here in Minnesota, we were talking about some of the same things, and that is, uh, you know, they're coming off a, a rough effort. Uh, the team that they're playing is not going to the playoffs. They've got to make sure that they have a good game, and that's what they're focusing on. At this time of the year, Dan, are the players looking at the the positions that they might be playing in the playoffs? Because right now, if the playoffs were to start today, they would open up against Colorado. But, you know, if Colorado loses a game and Calgary wins a game, then maybe they'd be playing Calgary. Do the players watch this stuff or are they, are they focused on current business? No, they're, they're focused on everything. They're, they're just like everybody else. When they pick up the paper, they see the standings, they look at the stats, so, uh, they're thinking about who they might play, and uh, they know that a lot of it, virtually all of it, is out of their control except for what, what they do on the ice, and so that's what they end up focusing on. But, you know, I've always been interested to see how it all uh, kind of settles out. There's what I call the ABDC, which is not the alphabet uh, out of order. It's the anybody but Detroit club that seems to have uh, branched out here in this late playoff situation. The way I look at it, it doesn't really matter who you play in the playoffs because you got to go through them anyway. But uh, but there are these people that say, well, maybe we'll, we'll do anything to avoid the Red Wings in the first round because they're a hot team. Looks like right now that the Sharks will probably play either Colorado or Calgary. That'll be the most most probable. With LA being another team or Nashville that would be a potential opponent, those are probably the most likely opponents right now so those are all pretty tough teams you know la won eight to three i think yesterday over vancouver which is quite a win for them they're starting to play well so it, it's it's just starting to hype up and it gets everybody all a flutter and excited so i don't buy much into that uh, anybody but detroit or anybody but anaheim last year or whatever you just have to go through the playoffs and be the best you can be and see i disagree with you and that's what's the greatest part about being a fan of a sport is I want L.A., I want a short trip, I want short flights, I want an inexperienced playoff team, I want to get through the first round um, and let the challenges kind of build. But uh, well, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But what I'm saying is, is if you get Detroit or if you get a tough opponent in the first round, you can't just you know flutter over and, 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 and cave. You have to play through the playoffs. You've got to make it happen. Yeah, but Detroit knows how to win, whereas L.A. may not, Colorado may not. Do the Sharks know how to win, do you think? Do they got that killer instinct? They're learning. They're learning. They're certainly learning through it. They know a lot better than they do it last year, and they understand what it takes a lot more than they did last year. But now the big tests are coming, and so that's what that's what you have to go through. You have to go through that experience together. And I think uh, you know they've been through it a couple of times now. You go back and you look at history. The Red Wings, when they were learning all this, they were losing in the first round to first Toronto, and then the Sharks, and then they lost to Colorado, and then they went all the way to the final and lost to New Jersey. So they had four or five seasons of really having major disappointments in the playoffs when they thought that they were good enough to win. And, you know, the Sharks have been through some of that already. So we're almost looking at a repeat of history in that sense. Um, you know, do I think that, do I think that, I think the Sharks are going to get LA in the first round. I just have this funny feeling. And that would be fine with me. And I agree with you on the, on the short series, the California nature of it, uh, the idea that, uh, that the Kings are first time in the playoffs in a zillion years. And so they'd be a tough opponent, but they'd be beatable. And that would be something that uh, that I think everybody in San Jose would love to have. I'm speaking with Dan Risnowski, the voice of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, he, he's basically play-by-play. It's amazing to listen to hockey on radio. It's a magical thing. Dan, I'm a little concerned, and, and address my concerns, and you, you're my, my sports therapist right now. 
we lose three, we win four. I don't like inconsistency going in the playoffs because one bad week and you're done. Well, you're right, and that's something that is is something that's on everybody's mind. But you have to remember one thing, too, that one of the first rules of the playoffs is you throw all of the old stats out the window when you play game one of the playoffs. You use that as a bank or a foundation for yourself, and some of that is the stress and the adversity and all the agita that we're going through right now, watching the team be a little bit inconsistent. But then all of a sudden, things change in the playoffs, and I can't explain how it happens, but it does. And that's when the real tests happen. That's when the so-called real bullets start flying around. And I, I think that I really think that uh, that this team's experience and everything that they've got going for it is going to it's going to set them up for a decent run of the playoffs. Do I know if they're going to win the cup? No. Can they? I believe they can. And I think that most people around the team believe they can, and the team themselves believe that they can. Now, we're going to be giving away two of your tickets, and this was very gracious of you, Dan, uh, to the Sharks game against Phoenix coming up in about two minutes. But before we get there, a couple more questions for you. I'm looking at the roster right now, and who would you give the the MVP, the Shark MVP? Who's been the best Shark this year? Nabokov's got 40 wins. That's pretty good. Marlowe's got 42 goals. That's great. Thornton, 66 assists. you, you got to say that he's setting up players like he's supposed to. But Klo, 110 penalty minutes. I kind of like the guys who are the heart and soul, the kind of guys who stand up for each other. Who would you give the MVP to? Boy, that's a really tough choice. It really is tough. I think that each of them, and you didn't even mention Heatley or Milo or Boyle on that list because all of them have done a lot of things. Yep. Ryan Cole may be the best player uh, forward on the team in the last couple of weeks. And I think that that's, that's an interesting uh, pick that you had. He's very luckily playing tonight. Last game, he took a, a, a shot to the throat, basically, and was worried about a fracture. They took him to the hospital in Dallas for observation to make sure that nothing was fractured. He was fine and met the team after the game. But uh, that scared everybody, and that's somebody that you desperately need in the playoffs. But, you know, realistically, over the course of the whole season, Patrick Marlowe probably has been the most consistent player on the team. Um, you could say that in, in that respect, at least for the whole body of work over the year, he could be the most valuable player on the team because he was the engine that kept things going and got everybody drawn together. But the last couple of weeks, he's fallen off. So um, it's a tough, tough choice to pick one guy. And you, you could flip a coin with any of those guys and probably be right. I like the greedy guys. Uh, Dan, you want to take a quick shot at uh, mentioning your, your uh, found, not your foundation, but your charity with blindness? Yes. In fact, um, at the very end of the season, which is the Monday after the season officially ends, um, April the 12th, uh, we have a special charity dinner and draft that we do at HP Pavilion at San Jose, which um, is raising money for the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And this is an organization that was set up by one of the Sharks' original owners, uh, Gordon Gunt, who was afflicted with retinitis pigmentosa. And there was no research and there was no organization that was dedicated to this. And given the fact that he had a lot of resources, he started the foundation with a, a group of very, very talented doctors that were in the ophthalmology field. And they ended up beginning this organization and starting each spring to have a, a fantasy draft that, you know, just like 
fantasy baseball or football or whatever. In hockey, generally, what they do is they do it for the Stanley Cup playoffs. You draft players for your team that are among the playoff participants, and they go through the stats, and you get points for goals and penalty minutes and everything else, goaltending. And uh, at the end of the, the whole thing, they counted up the points, and the winner received the Gund Cup, which is actually a small replica of the Stanley Cup, and you get your name engraved on the trophy and everything. And it, it was just a, a kind of a, a bragging rights piece for each winner to have each year. But the uh, the organization also donates a trip to the Heritage or the Outdoor Classic on January 1st. used to be the All-Star Game, but then they changed it to the Outdoor Classic because that's just a marquee event. And so it's a trip to, uh, to that to, for two people, which is really special, and a great weekend. And uh, that would be for an individual winner of, a, of, a, of one city, but there are seven cities usually that participate each year. I think it's the same number this year. And everywhere from New York to Toronto, Chicago, some of the big, we, could, we like to call them the original seven. This sounds and, like- Fun, Dan. Where can we get more information? Where you can go is you can go to ultimate.nhl.com because that um, that's a place you can find it. And also uh, fightblindness.org. That's the organization, uh, their website, and they've got information to do it. Uh, there's a very fine woman named Heather Spearman who uh, directs the activities here in San Jose and, and for the Bay Area, and she does a great job, and her email and contact information is on the website. So it's a great place to, uh, to check it out. We'll have lots of unique stuff uh, that'll be in the silent auction, you know, everything from, uh, you know, team autograph jersey to some stuff from other teams. I've got some Sidney Crosby things that are going to be stuff. in there. So that'll be, uh, that'll be a fun night, and uh, it, it's a great meal, too, because Chef Craig Coe at uh, HP Pavilion is one of the best at the grill, and they just do a great job. So it's really a fun evening. Dan, you're the best. Thanks for joining us again. Great to be with you. Enjoy Minnesota tonight. Now we're giving away Dan Rusnowski's very own tickets. Right now, be the 91st caller, 800-345-5639. The game is April 10th at 730 against Phoenix. 91st caller gets them, so bring it on. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black. I'll be right back. Listening to the Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Call Rob now at 1 800 345 5639. We have a big wiener. 800 345 5639. If you want to ask a stock question, but first, let's go talk to the winner. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. So now I sat in these seats. These are good seats. I think you're going to enjoy the game. Are you a Sharks fan, Brian? Um, I've only been to a Stockton Thunder game. You're going to. But I can go. You're going to love this game. It's the last game of the season. The fans are going to be nuts. It's a Saturday night. Um, it's going to be right before the playoffs. We're going to be playing a playoff team, so they're going to try to send a message to each other. You're going to love this game. Who are you going to take, Brian? Um, my wife, Kimberly. Kimberly? No no kids and uh, just taking the wife? Well, yeah, I'm just two tickets. Yeah, it's just two. Yeah, well, I got two kids, but I'll take my wife. Oh, good. Well, you'll have a good time. Thanks for calling in, Brian, and listening to the show. Appreciate it. So, yeah, it's uh, amateur league hockey, the AHL, the Western Hockey Leagues. That's fun stuff because those kids are trying to become professionals. But the last game of the year is going to be excitable, to say the least. And, again, I want to thank Dan Riskinowski for that. One of the things that I let him do there was give a plug for his charity because he gives us some swag. I give him some swag. Uh, he's going to do that fantasy hockey for the blind uh, coming up, and it's a good night out, ultimatenhl.com, ultimatenhl.com. It's actually ultimate.nhl.com. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. 
also at thefightblindness.org for more information about Dan Riznowski's blindness um, charity that he's working with. 800-345-5639, we have a winner, so callers can stop calling in about that, but you can call in and talk to me. Me! I got an interesting email that um, I found intriguing where someone was listening to the show and he heard me talk about employment numbers and he goes, maybe a dumb question, but if we added 162,000 jobs in March, why did unemployment numbers not improve from 9.7%? How many jobs did we lose in March? And how big is our workforce? So it's trending the right way with the job additions. Those were better than, not better than expected. They were less than better, better than expected. But they were job additions, and uh, you know some people got kind of excitable about that. But they didn't improve because it wasn't big enough, and or we lost more jobs to offset those gains, and thus make it as a percentage, not change the nine point seven percent. Anyway, um, got another email. Oh, this is cute. Phil call, emails in. And he says, "I'm the dyslexic winner. I was caller nineteen. Dun dun. Man, everyone's a comedian, right?" So I got an email from a guy that I'm going to share this with you because I think it's intriguing. First and foremost, uh, I got one, a nice one from a guy named Dave. He says, my wife, who is a seasoned investor, she's got an MBA in finance. She's become a devoted listener to your show and is convinced that I should contact you with a few words about my firm. So here goes. We are in, as far as I can tell, total agreement with philosophy. We don't take uncompensated risks. We keep costs and fees as low as possible. We always put the client first. Taxes matter. Plan, plan, plan. It's uh, Willow Creek Financial, and he's a major player in the North Bay, and we got $400 million under management. But what I like about this is not so much his firm, Willow Creek Financial, but him liking me. To get another professional to say you're doing a good job, that's a nice compliment. Because honestly, I think, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people in this industry who I don't trust and who I don't like and who I don't see eye to eye on and I, who I go way out of my way to tell you, be careful. You know, Jim Cramer's cute if you like monkeys. Jim Cramer's a, dis- a disaster waiting to happen if you like stocks. So it's it's nice that Dave and his wife listened to the show and, you know, went way out of their way to to say nice things about me. But um, I plugged their firm a little bit there. I plugged their firm a little bit there for them. I got a, a better email, and this just shows you what I go through. And this, this is going to show you a little bit of my mindset. Donald said, Rob, you give great investment advice, but stop telling jokes. My mother might be listening, so please no more jokes about nine-inch pianos. And a little uh, bit about the sound someone makes when hitting the pavement after jumping off a building might be funny to you, but just demonstrates how insensitive you can actually be. Too many video games. Uh, your attack yesterday on Sarah and Vinny was also totally uncalled for, although I agree that what they have to offer is just about as annoying as your show. Clean up your act. You're not good at humor. Don't even try. That's pretty mean, right? Like, I'm going to go cry, Donald. <laughs> you basically said I'm not funny. But then again, you also said you listen to the show and you like my investment advice. And I do a show that's honest. And if you don't like it, turn the dial. I'm good with that. I try not to have lame topics. I try to help people get to retirement and I'm comfortable with that. So I responded to him. I said, I've been doing this 15 years. I hear your criticism, but since you don't sign my checks, my advice is turn the dial. I have to do what my bosses tell me and or I, I have to leave the air. So I appreciate that he wants to be one of those people to give advice. I do. I do. I think it's pathetic. That you want to call people up and tell people how to do their jobs. But that's cute. I appreciate that, Donald. So Donald goes as far as, well, I just wrote a snail, snail mail letter of complaint to your program manager at KNW. Um, he's the closest person I could find to the, who signs your checks. Um, you've uh, Anyway, so it signed Donald. So I sent him one more email. And I go, if I sat and listened to every bit of criticism for people like you, idea men, 
I'd lose my mind on what type of show to do because everyone has a different opinion for me. And then I go on, as I say, I'm sorry that you feel that you need to criticize others and that your opinions are the end-all, be-all of advice on how to do a radio show. I help a lot of people, as you mentioned, on the strength of my advice, as you mentioned, and I'm comfortable with myself. Take a good look at yourself, though. Hopefully down the road you lose your sense of programming entitlement or maybe become a program director. In my opinion, you need to impress your opinion or I'm going to tattle on your boss. Think about who the genuine jerk here is, Donald. It ain't me. It's you. You've got the power to change the, the dial. Anyway, let's bring in Heidi. Heidi's got something to say about this. I'm angry at what? this Donald character. What if we called his boss and told him that we thought he did a crappy job at work and that he needs to be fired? Yeah, and it's, to me, it's just tattletelling to a boss. is, is It's low. But even more importantly, his entitlement on how to program a radio show, go become a program director. Yeah, I just I think he has no idea what's involved and what goes on behind the scenes and reasons for doing this or that. Um, He has no idea what he's talking about, um, just as I probably have no idea what goes into his job. You know, it's just. Well, you're not going to tell him how to flip burgers at McDonald's (laughs) is the basic idea. Right. Um, It's just ridiculous to me. Who do you think you are, Donald? And with that said, Sarah and Vinny, my criticism that they're teeny tiny short people that do a lame show and that she's promoting Sarah Koki. Uh, she's going to get her band together and sing songs for you. I, I think that the vanity there is just out of this world. And you and I used to work over at CBS, and uh, we find them to be little trolls, little trolls that go out and smoke a lot and, and bitch and moan to interns and, and treat people poorly. So, and she's shaking her head. That's not good radio. Heidi, Agreed. She, I apologize. Not... I turned my mic off. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, thanks, Donald, for the emails. You are the emailer of the week. Uh, let's go to Tony in Fairfield. Tony, how are you? Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going okay. Hey, I think Donald should be banned from the show. I mean, if you try to listen to or watch any other type of financial show, these uptight jerk-offs, it's unwatchable. You want to put your head in a blender, and you actually aren't uptight and stiff, and it brings some uh, brings it close to home, and it's a little bit humorous every once in a while, and that's what I would say. And sometimes my humor just flat out, it, it fails, but I try. And, I, you know, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I, I stand, sure. you know, I, I, I live by that. I want to be. So I want to be a stand-up comedian maybe one day. But anyway, Tony, you didn't have to defend me. I appreciate it. Anything I could do for you? Head, head massage, foot foot. You know, you've, been, you've done, helped me out a lot. You, um, I was trying to sit on the sidelines, put money in money market accounts when this whole mess was going down. You got me to get back in it. All my accounts are back in the green. My kids' accounts. Everything is back in the green. My Roth IRA, even my 401k has come back. I, uh, I appreciate it. How about this for a Good Friday joke? And you can tell me yes or no. I've got no career going forward. I, 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 did, give up, I did give up my belly button for Lent. Okay. okay, I got a snicker. I got a snicker. So belly button Lent. Okay, thanks very much, Tony. Uh, take it easy. Okay, so clearly... Clearly, um, I suck. I think it's wrong that only one company can make the game Monopoly. How about that for funny? It's going to break 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. How about leave your doctor's office if the proctologist lights candles? No, no. I want to be a writer on a fishing show. 800-345-5639. Ooh, that bass is a real beauty. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stability to talk.
because you want to be able to afford your midlife crisis. It's the Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Call now. 1-800-345-5639. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine 345 to get your calls there. It's 800-345-5639. The week is winding down. Let's go to Joe. In Fremont, Joe, how are you? Rob, how are you doing? Doing well. Hey, first of all, I want to tell you that uh, I used to listen to your competition. Uh, I drive quite a bit. I'm in sales and um, outside sales. And I used to start, I used to actually believe in what those guys said until I found you. Um, and, you know, you, you tell it straight, you tell it like it is. You're not a comedian, but you do make me laugh sometimes. You have a, a dry sense of humor, kind of different. The more I listen to you, the more I get it. But the biggest thing that I like about your show is you're not out there to sell me some program, some book, uh, send me to a training class in Florida. Believe me, I've gotten all those offers. Uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty much uh, believe in the conservative 401k, you know, grow it slowly, but get there. And the way you say it and the way you tell it is strictly like it is. I, I don't like everything about you. As a matter of fact, I like the fact that you have the I hate Rob Black, uh, Facebook. I like that. That's the kind of humor I like. Um, I'm not a young guy. I'm 48. But you know what? Um, You tell it like it is. And you made me change some of the things that I do. I increased my 401k. I increased some stock purchases through work. And it's actually helping me quite a bit. So out of curiosity, who are my competitors? I I thought I stood alone. Yeah, well, you do now. No, no, no. no. Who are my competitors? Well, there's a guy on the the other channel, uh, Ray Lucia. Oh, he's Uh, not a competitor. He's a commercial. You're exactly right, and I, you know what? I didn't. I didn't see that. I actually got them on there. I got on their website, and I actually had emails from them, and I didn't really see that. I, you know, it, they kind of make it seem like it's it's they're out there to help you, but they're actually selling you stuff all the time. Yeah, he he pays about six hundred dollars per hour uh, when he buys time in the Bay Area, and basically he's in like ten markets, and every every market he's paying money. So the questions you have to ask yourself, Joe, is if he's paying that much money. Is his ego that big or is his business that average that he can't grow his business organically? He has to go out there and do infomercials that sound like credible financial shows. Again, I think he does a credible financial show, but he does a pretty hardcore – he pushes people into private REITs. He doesn't tell people that some of his investors lost 90% in this private REIT recently. Um, I mean, he doesn't tell it like it is. Oh, yeah. No, no, exactly. And, and you know, and I was actually buying into that yeah. until I, I started listening to you. And I was and there's another guy that I don't even want to mention. He was he's so he's so far out of it. He was putting down 401ks, talking about corporations and the government and some kind of, you know, conspiracy and I'm like, yeah. I've never heard this. So that guy's been around for a long time. His name is Phil Grandy and uh He's a wacko. He's a wacko. And again, he oh. sells what he sells, he does the same thing. He buys his time on air and then he sells fear because there's some people out there who they don't trust the market. They don't trust the economy, and that's who he's trying to, to market to. Um, but anyway, I appreciate the advice, Joe, or I appreciate the call, and I thank uh-huh. you for the support. And again, when I make a joke that flops, I, at least I tried. Um, exactly, exactly. So, and thanks for the call. And uh, the Facebook page, which I did not get to today, is I Hate Rob Black. And it's, it's self-deprecating humor at times because you have to. If I'm going to give advice about money and be confident, at times you've got to take yourself a little less seriously. Let's go to Michael in Santa Rosa. Michael? Hey, what's up, Rob? Hey, not much. What are you doing for this weekend, Michael? Uh, currently working right now, so I hope to have a good weekend. Okay. So. Um, I want to say I love your show. You know, I'm kind of new to the whole uh, 
financial planning thing, and uh, I, I bought the book that you recommended, The Truth About Money. I kind of just started reading it. I really like what I've read so far. Good. And uh, I kind of want to jump on a few questions before I get farther in the book because um, I have some revolving debt from my credit card. Okay. And the interest is just eating me away. Right. And I listened to your show. I'm reading this book, and it sounds like I should have an emergency fund. Right. But my question to you is, should I get rid of my revolving debt first before I set my emergency fund? Because I have about 7000 to $9,000 in revolving debt through credit cards, and it's killing me. Yeah, it's really tough to say definitively uh, the emergency fund because if you lose your job, you'll want that emergency fund. I'd say if your job security is good, I'd really focus on that high interest rate debt. Anything over 8%, uh, you pay off. You don't invest. You pay off any debt over 8% as soon as possible, Michael, because the market's going to get you 8 to 10%. Um, yeah. So you're basically guaranteed a winner if you're paying off anything over 8 Gotcha. And with once I... Uh develop that or uh, complete that with this, uh, I should develop a six month emergency savings plan. What do you think about putting that money into like an ING account just so I have it on hand when I need it and also develops a little bit better interest? I think that's good. Um, ING is going to take you a couple days to get to, but it's an emergency fund, hopefully to replace your income. So hopefully yeah. you don't need your income in two days. Um, typically ING, this is the way it works. It's an online bank. So you have to have a regular bank like Bank of America where you can walk in, give them your, your paycheck. And then with ING, what you do is you set up that account, and it sits on top of your bank account. So you transfer money from Bank of America to ING, and when you need it back, you transfer it from ING back to Bank of America. So that sometimes could take a couple days to settle, and that's the only hassle about it. But they don't have real real bank branches, so they, they pay a little slightly better interest rate. Yeah. And it, two months is fine for an emergency fund. If, if you're a normal person, you can get a job pretty easily. Keep yeah. in mind, we're at very high unemployment, and people wish they had six uh, months of emergency fund. We probably won't see this high of unemployment again for another 10-plus years, so um, I don't. I think six might be a little bit too long. But anyway, what else? Um, you know, I'm trying to pick your brain as fast as I can. Go ahead. Um, after that, uh, that step, I'm going to uh, Fidelity. I'll probably be giving them a call as soon as I can develop that and uh, give them a call about starting a Roth IRA. Um, I assume that's the proper step. Um. Yeah, Roth IRA is perfect. You don't have a 401k available too? No. Yeah, I would do a Roth IRA in that case. Um, again, if you think you're going to be, if you could use the tax help this year, maybe fund a regular IRA. Some people say, Michael, do both so that you have options in retirement, i.e. you get a tax break this year with a regular IRA, uh, but you're putting in, you're getting a tax deduction on your earned income uh, but with Roth, you're putting in after-tax money, and you don't pay taxes later in life. If you don't need the tax break this year, do the Roth. Gotcha. And my final question, which is probably one of my most important questions to me anyways, is I've been renting uh, anywhere from an apartment to a room to, from a friend yep. for you know since I was 18, uh, 17. And uh, I'm curious. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually a uh, loan advisor uh, at a credit union. And she was telling me that I should just go out and buy a house. Why waste all this money on rent? Now, should that be, you know, should I put that as a, you know, priority or should I just wait on that until I'm ready? I think you wait on it until you're financially ready. Um, you don't have to buy a house. How old are you? 25. 25. You don't have to buy a house when you're 25 because here's the problem. A lot of people who are 25 still move. I moved from the East Coast to California when I was 33. Um, I moved late in life, so I didn't really need to own a home. Now I'm starting to settle down. I own a home. I did own a home back there, but I sold the home. 
Um, a home is at least a five-year investment or at least a five-year time frame kind of game because you're paying 3% to buy, 3% to sell. You're paying property taxes. You're paying electricity. You're, you're fixing it up. You're throwing paint on the walls. So to recoup your investment in it, uh, to you know, offset that rent angle, you typically need at least five years. And Michael, uh, don't get a condo. Like when you get married and you, <laughs> you suddenly have a kid, like you're going to be like, I can't stay in a condo. Um, so get a home that you want to live in for 10, 20, 30 years. When you get a home, don't let it be over 40% of your monthly income to service your mortgage. Uh, because at that point in time, you can't save. I mean, 40% of your monthly income, don't forget a lot of your income, uh, 20 to 30% goes to the federal government, 10% to the state government, 10% to uh, sales tax. Like a lot of your money's already gone. So don't overbuy, uh, yeah. because a lot of people don't realize how little money they have left over due to taxes and other situations. So, uh, and uh, when you do buy a house, Michael, like Santa Rosa's got some great parts and some great schools, and Santa Rosa's got some awful parts and some awful schools. Try yeah. to try to buy in a good school district because I think the housing market's kind of a game on trying to get someone else's wife to buy your house. Um, I think if it was men, we'd all just live in a big dormitory together. <laughs> We're fine with that. But women, they they want those good school districts for their kids, and they want their you know uh, cute. Cute access to shopping. So always psychologically play into that if you can, Michael. And thanks for the call. All right. 800-345-5639. I'm going to queue up one more call, it looks like. Uh, but there's a story I didn't get to today that I should get to, and it's Turkey. It's the new venture capital hotspot of the world. I know. You're thinking, Turkey? Like Istanbul was Constantinople? Turkey? Yeah, that Turkey. Um, isn't like Turkey like a Muslim Islamic country? Like, Yeah, that Turkey. Um, and it's pulling in a lot of people. And I used to live in Turkey, and it's a great, great country to visit. It's a great country to uh, to tour in. It's incredibly cheap if you want, you know, a, a high-end luxury vacation. Um, but a lot of people are investing money in Turkey. And what's interesting about it is it's tied towards their Internet audiences. Like, you could now see, like, they're advanced. They're digital. They're not driving, they're not driving camels to the market. And for the record, uh, there's bread in, in Turkey called Eggmet. It's kind of egg bread. Uh, it's fantastic. Used to get a loaf of it hot out of the oven and just best memory of my childhood almost. But they're the fifth largest internet market behind Europe or their fifth largest internet market in Europe. They're behind Germany, France, Russia, and Britain. Uh, but they're pretty advanced. Like sometimes you don't think about these kind of things, but um, you could probably look for some IPOs out of Turkey. You could probably look for um, some indexes tried to Turkey. Let's get a Michael in Petaluma. How are you, Michael? Good, Robert. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm, it's uh, your day for Michael's. Yeah, Michaels and Donalds and uh, typical white guy names. Yeah, what can you say? Well, what hey, can you? Um, there's pressure on Citibank, so the prices of their stock is going down. But after the government sells uh, their portion, what do you think about Citibank down the road? If I were a betting man, I'd own Citigroup. Would you? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the downside is very limited at four. Um, I think the upside is pretty big at five. Um, I think in the coming years, you're going to see seven. I think it's slowly going to rebuild its name. I think it's slowly going to um, push forward. Uh, but like you said, the government right now is in the process of potentially selling lots and lots and lots of shares. So short-term maybe pain, long-term gain. Yeah. And the thing that stinks about that is you'll never know when. Like you'll never know when the short-term is over. So if you're going to buy it, what I would do is I'd buy a little bit now, Michael, and a little bit in three months and a little bit in six months. I'd accumulate it. It's the worst stock that you own. So make sure you own some really stable other companies. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, and I, I have no problem with the company. Uh, I think the worst is behind them. And thanks for the call, Michael. Should I stay or should I go? Hmm. I think I should go. We didn't. Play
play it's Aloha Friday. It's the first Friday show that I've never played Aloha Friday. Oh, disaster. Woe is me. I'll be back Monday morning at 10 a.m. I want to say a big hearty thank you to everyone who listened this week. Thanks. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.